Dear Church Podcast. All right, this is our second lightning round of this season of Dear Church Podcast. And the rules for the lightning round are as follows. A controversial question will be asked. We will give two minutes to each question. During that time frame, we may agree, disagree, discuss, or attack one another with all the fury of a camp meeting preacher or a recovering fundamentalist. After the two minutes is up, a bell will sound, at which time the next question will be asked. And we have no mercy, by the way. There's no circling back. There's no continuing the conversation. I will cut the mics. Everybody good? Yes. Sounds okay. good. Just Three of us sure. are good. <clears throat> I'm nervous. Three of us are good? Okay. These right are next, not. Well, he's, he'll <laughs> he's be standing right. there with his arms crossed. There's none good Defensive but God. posturing. Okay, here we go. This is question number one of lightning round. And after I ask the question, the timer will start. <laughs> Is secondary separation a biblical requirement? No. Agreed. No, but it is often wise. Okay. That, so that's a depends answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's certainly something in our day and age that is um, taken to extremes in second, third, fourth degrees yeah. of, you know, where, oh, did you hear this guy preach for this guy who preached for this guy? And, and you can really get caught up in that, and especially when you hear the listen to the voice of the brethren, you just got to kind of block that out and think, this is who God wants me to have in this time. I also think it's and, a danger on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Big time, big time. On one side, you've got maybe a little bit more of the old older school, if you don't mind me saying it that way. And there's this, you know, you can't be friends with them or friends with me if you're friends with them. I won't preach for you if you have him to preach, et cetera. But on the other side, it's, it's a lot like cancel culture. Yeah, that's the way I've seen it. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's like it's like biting. Oh, that's and an devouring. interesting application of cancel culture. Really? Yeah, and I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's and I also think that you know, there's somebody preaching for you. If we're using it, applying it that way, is like our couples ministry. I bring someone in to come help the family, and I might not agree with them on some something else that's very important and maybe very important to me. But they're not coming to say that and do that. They're right. coming to yeah, it, help it, people with their marriage and home. It runs the risk of becoming a playground situation mm-hmm. where it's a popularity contest. If So the question is, is it in the Bible, though? Well, we're supposed to judge uh, that whole judge not verse. That's that's misinterpreted. We're supposed to judge based upon that particular man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you judge that man based upon his associations but sometimes when you do that, it's unfair to that man. Right. So that's why I say sometimes you should, sometimes you shouldn't. Got to take it in context. Yeah. All right. That's it. Okay. Question number two, John MacArthur, hero or villain? Who wants to start? <laughs> Who am I to judge another? Another man's you know, servant. So there there we go. go. I like it. <laughs> well, obviously he he's completely he's, shut down that conversation. No, had, I, I think we do need to be wise in, you know, so I, I think there are comments that do need to be made. I, I will just say I like John MacArthur and I'll probably take hits. For, I'll take some secondary separation on that. Oh in the boy. Sense that That's why we asked this, I think that he, question at the beginning. I think he love. I think he loves the Lord and he stays faithful to the scriptures. And I mean, recently with the whole COVID stuff, he has, you know, taken, taken a stand in a, in a pretty awesome way. Okay. He loves the Lord and he's faithful to the scriptures, but he's still massively wrong about a lot of important things. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I'm not, you're right. Right. And, and it doesn't mean I don't think he loves the Lord if I won't follow his ministry or read his books. I because understand I, that. I, I can still credit him with a genuine love for the Lord, understand why he ministers to people, appreciate a lot about his ministry without choosing to participate in it. 
Yeah, Correct. I think there's things I've been helped by him, but there's also things I would warn people away from. And so, yeah. Like I well, I first thing that comes to my mind would be the Calvinism. I disagree mm-hmm. with him on that strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Lordship salvation. Uh, I got a problem with elder rule. You know, I, 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 I have a problem with wrong ecclesiology. He's not a Baptist. Yeah. And again, I, I do read guys that are not Baptists and things Understood. like that. So. But, but his issue years ago was, you know, the thing he always got dinged for, right, was that issue on the blood. I Okay, I do agree that the blood was literal in heaven, is literal in heaven. Yes. But I don't think that's a fundamental of the faith. And and I was... I've and I think wondered. Jack Howes manufactured that to take attention off of himself. Well, he, it wasn't... Jack, thing, I thought it was Bob Jones Jr. That it was more than Piles. It was more than him. It were, yeah, there were several was, guys. But, they, but here's what, I, what bothers me in general, and I'm not just supplying it to this one, but, but calling people heretics over issues that are not true heresy. Is yes. that is that heretical? What he said? No, that's the question. No, okay, that's that's no, what I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't either. Lordship but, salvation yeah. is closer to all right. Okay, the here we go. Uh, question number three. Good, good questions answered so far. Question number three. In heaven, will we be aware of who is not there? This is a question posed by Martin Wickens. I think he should answer it. <laughs> I, I believe we will be. I don't think we're going to have knowledge of our past, you know, troubles and sorrows taken away. Um, you know, Paul says, uh, trying to think of the scripture now, but you know, this, the, the, the glories of heaven are not worthy to be compared with the sufferings of where we are now. That's my paraphrase. And so, you know, if you can't compare them in heaven because they're all forgotten, then, you know, that, that verse doesn't stand. But I think the perfect joy of God is not, you don't detract from the perfect joy of God by an awareness of sorrow. Yeah. He takes away the sorrow. And this, that, that, that he doesn't take away the knowledge. He takes away the sorrow right. that knowledge brings because now we see his plan. Now we see the sovereignty of God. Now we see the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Now we have the joy of God. And that knowledge is still with us, I think. And that's an opinion, but it doesn't hurt us. Yeah, that, That's I what mean, I was going to ask is like, are we, are we capable of having more than an opinion on this? Like, I don't, I think that it's probably just going to be. Have you, have you read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven? No, I have not. And he's still alive. It's yeah. interesting. But it, it's a it's a fascinating it? book. So Tom actually yes, you have really a principle so you that guides you, but you make exceptions on this. Uh, on the sure, a principle. Thing. A principle is something <laughs> that has a broad application. It's not a not, not so a, I, I haven't read the Alcorn book. Anyway, yeah. Is I, he I, dead I, to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think I think God's perfect joy isn't dependent dependent on being unaware of things. Okay. And so I think if we're going to have the joy of God in heaven, we're still going to be aware during the tribulation, the saints in heaven say how long, you know, they're aware of martyrdoms taking place. Yeah, but place there's a difference earth. between the tribulation period and well, the new heaven, and the new earth. That's fair. But I still agree yeah. with you. Mm. Yeah. And I think heaven and hell will make sense to us when we see him as he is. I, yeah. I really believe that. I mean, cause humanly I take hell by faith cause the, it's just awful to think about. All right. Question number four, this will give, um, this will give opportunity for uh, some interesting discussion. Question number four is, among the four of us, who has the best hair? Oh, Tom Brennan. Certainly not so. me. Tom Brennan. Really? Not Tom even. I have no. like Martin says yes. a third of the hair I used to have. Well, but we're living in, in a day and age of authenticity. Is and this your the hair point which is we, about as authentic as it is. It's it authentically gets. bad is what it is. It, it is, is what it is. There's no let's just not let Steve talk about himself. Is this <laughs> where, <laughs> he's like, he's dying. He's dying to talk about his hair. It's a form of torture. No, I was going to say, is this the point in the podcast that we describe how one another look? Because I yeah, mean, go ahead. This is <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. How, how, do, how do we all look? 
I don't know if I want to We want go you to there. describe all of us, then we're all going to describe you. Go ahead. No, see, that's just... <laughs> well, I, I would Brother say... Brother Tom I, reminds me of my seventh grade math teacher, Mr. Haroff, which his nickname was Papa Smurf. His name was and, Haroff? Really? Yeah, that was his name, Haroff. Mr. Haroff. He was a great math teacher. But uh, you, you you could be his twin, and we used to call him Papa Smurf. So I think I think Russ's do. hair is the best because he still yeah. got the swoop. I would yours, say Russ yours reminds me of a, a cartoon swoop. character yeah. that... He, I'd probably hurt his feelings if I if I said it. You think you just called me Papa Smurf? Smurf. What? Homer what? Simpson? What'd you just say? Johnny Bravo. You just called me Papa Smurf, and you don't uh, want to call him a cartoon character. Uh, I, yeah. I said Johnny Bravo. No, I think in terms Johnny of Bravo. combed cut hair, I would say that um, Russ is, is that's the a, best. It's a southern. Mine's very long right now. That's a southern that's Baptist hairdo, I, like. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Notice who has not been mentioned at all as a possibility in this conversation. If you want to know Brits. what Steve's hair no. looks like, he kind of looks oh, like Martin. Kind of looks like a young Mister Magoo. Well, Steve's that's hair looks like Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Inflated. Inflated. <laughs> <laughs> you almost repeated me before you realized what I said. Hey, I am a health coach, so yeah. I've, uh, and for our listeners, we love each other dearly. Yeah, and we, you know, we have no mercy. We do. And, and, and he's you, Polish. It's his love language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> his love language is picking on people, though. Okay, so I said I said on. earlier, remember Steve's, Steve's attitude is, it all started when they hit me back. So we're not <laughs> really, the, the, what you listeners don't understand is all that goes around this podcast. To quote Melissa Brudneck, I'm a silver fox. All right, here we go. Got to oh, no. bell that one out a little bit. Uh, Edit that out. In, <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five, number five, Oxford comma yes or no yes absolutely yes this is crawford my high school english teacher i'm gonna say who yes. was intense i mean she taught it to us so it's got to be that way yeah, you kind of need it at times mm-hmm. unequivocally comma absolutely comma without question comma yes you didn't put an and in there Okay, I see what you did there. It took me a minute. Yep. I was like, it yeah, does take I, me a second. He, he skillfully worked it in. I would agree. Yeah, it's got to be the Oxford comma. I wouldn't separate over it, but I believe it is is a good thing. Oh, there, yeah. Okay, all right. It's a it's a phone buzzing. We're trying to figure out where that noise is coming from. Good. So we agree on the Oxford comma. I would say so. I think so. We wow. we found something we all agree on. Wow, that's awesome. And Let's talk they're, more they're, about my hair. They're trying to get no, no. I got to stand. We topic. can't circle back. Can't circle uh, back. Nope. Yeah. Thank uh, God that conversation. Why over. are they trying to get rid of it? Is my question. Laziness. Ooh. Yeah. And, grammar and that, rules of yeah, grammar are becoming. Doesn't, doesn't do you know that line from Pir- Pirates of the Caribbean where they say it's more like guidelines? Oh uh, yeah. That's what grammar's becoming. <laughs> oh, all my kids. Pop culture they, reference from Tom Brennan. <laughs> wow. My that, kids pretty much like, dead. Those like pirates punk, are dead. So punctuation in texting like, is, is old person ish. That my kids tell me. And that so all is spelling. And so is capitalization. Mm-hmm. And so oh it's like we're going backwards. Our smartphones are making this. Absolutely. I'm Texting. not the grammar, you know, I'm not I'm not the expert on grammar in this room. That's for sure. But man, do I ever hate bad grammar. And I it, think that sentence was actually bad grammar. I used to think I had good grammar until I started writing books and sending them off to be edited. And then yeah. I got them back and I feel like I'm in seventh grade again with a red scrawl all over it. And what are you trying to say here? Right. God bless my editor. She's a grammar teacher, actually. But, oh, that's smart. But it's it's. It, yeah, it humbles me. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, is like, that's where I don't respect it is, is when I, when someone writes something, okay, if I'm talking and I don't get it right, whatever, I'll try to correct myself every once in a while. But man, yeah. you write something that that's- we're meant to be about effective communication. Oh and goodness. I think it's laziness to not invest in an understanding of I, how to I properly even communicate text messages. And a lot of times, all right, here we go. Um, number six, number six is elder rule ever an acceptable form of church government. This reminds me of the line about, about democracy that all the other, it's a poor form of government and all the other forms are poor. 
you know, your is elder rule ever acceptable? I guess if you can't find a pastor. Well, it depends on how it's implemented because I've been in churches where they operated with elders, but you had a recognized pastor among the elders. And so there was leadership there. And I find very often it functions, it's semantics. So in the States, you talk about a senior pastor, associate pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor, music pastor, you know, departures part, you know, it's just, you've got all these different pastors. If you substituted that for the word elder, very often it functions in a similar way. In America, so I think different pastas are right. Um, angel hair, spaghetti. Those are the different pasta. Pastas. My pasta. Sorry, I interrupted you just to say I, pasta. Anyways, go ahead. Can so we, you can would, we you like interject some it. tumbleweed into that? Sorry, our time's going. I think that's a really dangerous answer, Martin, because the concept of elder rule is goes against, by definition, a pastor-led church. Mm-hmm. Can I interject Steve? this, though, is that I think we got to distinguish between elder rule and elder leadership, whereas elder rule, if we're really using that term correctly, it would be that the elders rule and nothing's ever brought to the congregation. Yeah, and I've seen whereas that where that's dangerous. Some yeah, people, James that's McDonald more, comes that's to mind. That's recently. more of the Presbyterian model, but elder leadership would be you know, and, and in a practicality, that's kind of the way we function and me as the pastor. And then I would meet with deacons, trustees as counselors. But where are and, trustees and we in the Bible? That. Yeah, but when it comes down to a decision, you make a decision. They're in the Apocrypha. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed that. He said, where are trustees in the Bible? <laughs> Actually, yeah. trustees like, are I'm against state or rule, but I'm going to have trustees. trustees I, I think it's in how state, it's yeah. implemented. I think it's how it's implemented. And I think the typical elder rule model that you see in the U.S. is different to the one I may have been familiar with back in the United that's Kingdom. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't, congregational voice though. That's, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, 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 all, for, I'm all about congregational. Voice, it's no good. I'm very much in favor of congregational. All right. Uh, uh, question number seven: Is it a sin to be unhealthy? Tongue. Is it a sin to be unhealthy? And I think we should probably say, you know, due to the negligence of the individual, right? As opposed to if you're smitten well, with a disease. Well, I yes. would say, yeah. you know, sometimes people act like being fat is a sin, and I don't think that it is, and I don't even think necessarily being fat is unhealthy. According to my doctor, it's not. He said being overweight sometimes is the evidence that you're not eating well. Eating bad is what affects your health. So obviously gluttony is a sin, but you could be overweight because you're eating late at night or you're not even eating that good of stuff, but that doesn't necessarily in and of itself. I think it's a stewardship issue, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think you can be unhealthy in a lot of ways. You can have unhealthy skinny people, unhealthy overweight people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's if you're willfully unhealthy. So if you're making bad choices, then it's poor stewardship. It's almost like financial health. You know, if it's outside of your control, you can't blame someone for being poor. But if somebody's gambled all their money away on cryptocurrency, well, then it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't excluded. circle back here. Come on now. <laughs> well, I do in. think the criticism that we get sometimes, it's not just independent Baptists, but right. of, of, you know, overweight, bad it, pastors and bad health preaching about you know, the sin of smoking. I think that is a, that is a valid criticism that mm-hmm. we've, yes. we've mm-hmm. circled that off as if, you know, we, we celebrate potlucks and donuts yep. for, you it's know, embarrassing when someone's grossly overweight and they make light of it in the pulp and act. And I used to do that and I was pretty grossly overweight. I'm, I'm working on that. And honestly, as Baptists food, we use it as a comfort. It's, we fellowship it's, with it's it. It's not Baptist, we, it's human. It's human. Yeah, Beautiful. but I, I joke that it's the only thing we say is not wrong. You know, I I, I, I say that a little tongue in cheek, yeah. but that's good. Our health is important, and I'm learning that lately because I am a health. Well, coach. you mentioned skinny people who are unhealthy, and I mean, yes, that's, you know, 
Did Cheryl that, and I, did that we, strike a mark? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And, and these guys know, cause I've told them, but we went on this like three week detox and uh, boy, it was amazing. Health coach and health coach is done, but it, it was amazing at how much more healthy that I felt after that. That's breaking his own rules. Number, like, that's because I'm the yeah. one with the bell. Number eight, number eight. Is it, is it soccer or is it football? The English are right. The English it's are football. right. It's the English football. are correct. It's football. Well, because they use again, feet having played football, football. How do you spell it? F O O T B A L L. Oh, really? Like it's not F U T. No, that's how they do it on the in, over in Europe, maybe or Spain or whatever. That's Hispanic spelling, football. Right? Football. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you use your feet, and it's a ball. In what the Americans call football, it's shaped like an egg, and they use their hands but predominantly. Their feet now, I think in former conversations, you <laughs> you don't like egg. you don't like American football, do you? Oh, I do. I enjoy oh, it. You do. I yeah, you, you call it the like wrong it. name, but I enjoy it. I support yeah. the wrong team. I'll admit that. Who? See, I am. A, Who's your team? Cowboys. Oh my, oh my goodness! Soul, but I'm in Steeler country, awful. so it gets me in a That's lot of trouble. Godly, man. Never mind. So, it's been my team since like the '80s. You know. That's so listen. Sorry. Just because it's you've said a long team. time doesn't make it better. Yeah, <laughs> right. True. Right. It's America's team, right? No, no, they didn't ask us. No, yeah, that's not true. Um, Mm-mm. I like to me. It's soccer. Now, just I, because sorry. that's the American way. Go ahead. Whatever we call it, we all agree. Uh, Martin should agree. Soccer is much more boring. Absolutely. I, I know it's constant no. action. Oh my god! American constant football. action constant and no scoring. Action. Okay, American it's football, that unhealthy. I, I played okay, okay. high no, school no, no, no. soccer and college soccer, and I love soccer. And I hate in independent fundamental Baptist churches that are- Why are we making soccer and football an IFB issue all of a oh, sudden? Oh, because- Okay, listen, you guys are going I, nowhere. I hear it bashed all the time, like, oh, soccer's turning us into sissies and we need football. No, soccer is a man. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing, though. It's not about results. We've all been saying that it's about the effort, and in I, soccer, I in, in, Ameri- in football, English football, it's um, constant. Effort. I will say, American football. No, are you going to tell me Jesus played soccer next in the apostles while they're out? You know, <laughs> European American, soccer American is acting. Heresy. They act like, although LeBron James has turned into that on the basketball court, he like acts like he's hurt. It's embarrassing. We need an episode. For yeah, this. We, we need it. No, we do not. <laughs> all right, here's a serious question. Question number nine: Should a church provide the pastor a retirement? If they are able. Absolutely. I think it's wise if they're able and that mm-hmm. if they're able, I think it's important. Yeah. I think you within contextualization, which is a, a hot button word, I would say yes, because in America that's common that an employer, which I view that a church congregation in a sense employs the pastor, even though he's God called and there's, you know, that could be a whole, and someday maybe we'll do a podcast on that, but you know, that you would take care of someone that way. Yes. I think I, it, it, the key is, is the church taking care of their pastor to the best of their ability. Right. Amen. You know, and it, are they paying them enough for the pastor then to be wise with what he's given or do they find some other way to, you know, pay right. salary plus whatever. And I can say um, this because my church does take care of me, but Southern Indiana historically are pastor killers, you know, oh, the, you mm-hmm. know, we, we don't want to pay him too much. We don't want to let it go to his head. We don't want And that's not anything I've heard here, but I have heard among peers. But in it this also, area. yeah. And it also protects the church too, because some churches find themselves in the situation, their pastors serve faithfully 20, 30 years and he can't pastor anymore. So and he, then he, he, he can't the retire either. So he drives yeah. the church mm-hmm. and that's the pastor's fault too. He shouldn't do that. But a church that yeah, there's a, there's a lot of qualifications have to go into that statement. I mean, you know, somebody, some guys, somebody I know wrote a blog series about that. Ooh, yeah. 
Well, and a lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of times the church can, but it doesn't because the pastor doesn't lead it to. Okay. That's right. a key thing as well. Yeah. Just, that, just like if a church a isn't soul winning, if a church isn't, you know, praying, a pastor right. has to lead. Right. He and that may be He awkward. can't lead in every. Okay. I agree. Which but, is why, like my, no, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> yes. No, it, it may be awkward, but it needs to be done. And you've got to ask for grace from the Lord to be yeah. able to do it in a, in a way that your church understands you're just leading them. You're not, you're not being greedy, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So, uh, that could be another podcast someday. All right. Number 10, question number 10, does preaching have to be yelling or hard preaching to be preaching? No, no. Well, no. did, you, did you just whisper? Because you whispered at the same time. No, he let, he let whispered. Tom, Tom whispered. I whispered. No, uh, I just yeah. used my I natural said speaking no voice like a man. I yeah. said it forcefully. And I will say in homiletics class, we were taught that, you know, monotone means same level. So I've I've heard preachers before that like scream the whole sermon and it's bore, it, it, it's just monotone. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but I will it, say I will say that I don't think a preacher has to yell to be a preacher. But I do think he, the preaching needs to be authoritative, mm-hmm. yeah. not my authority, Amen. Amen. but scriptural Amen. authority. And it's Amen. declarative. Yes. I guess declarative is the word I, I should have used. Right. Declarative preaching is important. Now, I remember, as you know, I love what, what I would call hard preaching as in direct, helpful. But then, you know, I've come to also appreciate the kind of preaching that is is expository and maybe not as much volume to it. Not because the guy is a, is a sissy. But because he's working his way through, I mean, Sam mm-hmm. Davidson's a great example of someone who's an expository preacher who absolutely lights a place on fire when he does it. But bottom line, we're not about personalities; we're about the scripture. Our authority is scripture. I've changed my position on this. When I was younger, I used to think he had to yell, right? And based upon cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, etc. Yes. As I've as I've hopefully matured, I've come to the place where if you're if you're giving me what God said your volume level doesn't matter. Right. Your, your truth, your, your loyalty to the word of God matters. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had criticism. I've had, I've had people leave my church because I yelled too much. I mean, I've gotten that criticism. I've had people leave because they said I didn't yell enough. You know, it just, Mm -hmm. but I I honestly, I don't process it that way. I don't think that way of, I got to yell, you know, I got to make sure I yell. I think God uses different styles, different personalities and And there are good habits and bad habits. But and to me, the key then is genuineness. The guy's got to be genuine in his. Del- I, there's more I want to say about that, but <laughs> there always is. Oh, no. Number 11. Surprise. This one will get some conversation going. Our invitations at the end of a service are invitations, altar calls, scriptural. It depends. They. Well, are they scriptural? I don't know if we see. Um, them doing them in scripture in the sense that I do know in Acts 2, the people said, what shall we do? I mean, there was, and, and, you know, Peter elicited a response. I, I give an altar call because I want to give an opportunity for people to mark a place on the ground, to put a memorial. I know personally in my own life hitting you know, quote the altar. And I know it's not, to me, it's not really an altar. I say, make it like an altar before God. Right. But it's where you go. And there's places I kneeled camp Kobiak back in 1988, when I got right with God oh, yeah. as a teenager. And I know that spot. It's where I said, God, I'll be a fool for you. That was the message that was preached that God really used to grip hold of my heart. And I think it marks a place and is a great reminder when we move. I think any sermon 
you, you preach for a response. Yep. And I think any Preaching sermon- demands a verdict. It demands yeah. a response. That's yes. right. And, and any sermon, in a sense, has to be conversational, not in necessarily the tone, because I know that's, that's a phrase that we can pick up another time, but it's conversational in the sense that you're expecting a response. And, and I think whether or not you do it as an altar call or whether you say, hey, look, where you are in your seats, respond to the Holy Spirit or like Spurgeon, you know, meet me tomorrow in my office and come talk to me. You know, I think there's, again, I think there's a wide spectrum of what is So right. there, there's liberty there for a little bit of, you know, a little bit of difference, but for sure they're not wrong. Right. And you illustrate right. the fact there's different ways to do invitations and an invitational turnoff for me. And I know for a lot of people are the invitations that's like, well, no one's moving. So I'm going to make, I've been at camps before where it's like the preacher's preached and no kids moving. And then he goes down a litany that if, you know, unless if you love Jesus come forward. I'm okay. Sorry. I wasn't even paying attention. There we go. The bell's ringing. Okay. I don't think Tom ever even spoke on that one. He did, did not. No, he pointed at Steve and said, go, go for it, brother. Uh, question number 12, question number 12 is tithing. For the New Testament believer. Yes. Why? Because it's in the New Testament. I agree. And because if you understand the distinction between the moral law and the judicial law, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you, and of course, a lot of people reject that. Yes, they and, do. And, and, but I think on understanding that the moral law, Romans 6 does not throw out the moral law and tithing is part of the moral law. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, you know, you have the, the common arguments that, those of us who agree with tithing as a New Testament uh, practice would say, well, it preceded the law. It uh, superseded the law. It all of those things. And, uh, you know, one statement that I give to our church occasionally is that tithing is a great floor, but a terrible ceiling. Oh, that's good. It's a place yeah. to start. Yeah. But we got to grow from there because people who always say, I believe in grace giving. I want to say, well, then right. and it's going to be more than the tithe. So I've had a lot of conversations yeah. back in the days of, of the Fundamentalist Forum. With, with people who were pushing back on the tithing thing. And at one point, I just said, okay, you all are anonymous. I'm not. I use my own screen name, my own name. But I said, since you're anonymous, you tell me what percentage you gave last year. <laughs> right. And not a single person who would who was willing to answer the question. And if they weren't, that right. was interesting because they were anonymous. Right. Not a single person who was willing to answer the question had given at least 10%. Right. And I think there's something to that. Oh. See, if, if you believe in grace giving, it ought to be higher than 10. Yes. Yeah. And that's the point I made. I mean, I use the tithe as a principle. I, I couldn't, in, in my conviction, I couldn't say you must tithe. You must take a strict 10%. Um, it's not the way I see it. It's one of those areas that I definitely, uh, there's good people on both sides. Did all I'm your, on did all your elders vote on that together? <laughs> <laughs> it's between wow. them and the Lord. But, I you. you know, I, but no, I think it's a guide, but I think grace should exceed Law. Well, that's right where Jesus that. said, you have heard this, but I say to you this, you have heard this, but yeah. I say to you this. To me, that would fit in with that kind of thing is that, hey, look, you know, we're not using it as an excuse to do less. We're using an excuse to go beyond. Okay. Question number 13. Who's your favorite non-religious author? I'm going to start with Steve and work our way that way. Tom Brennan. Non-religious. Non- what a slam. Are you saying wow. he's not a, wow. my goodness. Yeah. Shakespeare. That's how I show love. Shakespeare. <laughs> Do you really read Shakespeare? I, Some. Yeah. I don't read. I think Henry V is awesome. Some non, of those speeches are incredible. I don't read a lot of non-fiction. I'm trying to. My favorite author is Jim Berg, but that's not. You don't have one. So why are you answering? <laughs> love you, brother. Love you. Don't look at me like that. Go ahead. 
long live no. the queen. <laughs> he just said Shakespeare, right? Yeah, He's yeah. Desperately- I mean, especially Henry V, and this one will get me in trouble. The Taming of the Shrew, I think, is is hilarious. I would have I said Doctor Seuss, but that's not politically correct anymore. So <laughs> I love Doctor Seuss. You should hey, have said Doctor Seuss. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in it. I don't read much nonfiction anymore either. Doctor Seuss but I was like a communist. Nonfiction? I, well, I don't read. I don't read much <laughs> fiction anymore. Uh, I like a lot of modern historians mm-hmm. uh, who don't obviously don't write. I think Hampton Sides is a phenomenal author writing writing history books. I think S.C. Gwynn is a phenomenal author. Lauren Hillenbrand. Those are all modern authors who are not dead, <laughs> who are writing really good biographies and really good history. Yeah. On the fiction side, I like Louis Moore. I like Isaac Asimov. I like right. Alexander how do you say that? Dumont? Yeah. I think H.G. Wells is interesting, very interesting. And then, um, oh man, he wrote If the, the Poet. Roger uh, Kipling. 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 Yeah. Um, I think some Russ. profound wisdom. Uh, Jocko. Jocko Ooh. Willink. <laughs> Seriously. It's, you know, you're oh, right. You're well, right. if you're going, the, I mean, oh, Stephen Navy Covey. That's a leadership. Stephen Covey. That's a leadership. Yeah. Did you ever read Richard Marchinko? I have not. Yeah, he's a Navy SEAL. Is he really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't, of, I didn't think of those type books, but yeah. Yeah, no leadership leadership books like that. I love military. Oh, John, I like John. Well, one or two of John Maxwell's books. They oh, can yeah. repeat themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's be my favorite. I like Charles point. Schultz too. I've read some of his stuff. Wait till you read my book when it comes out. <laughs> okay, this one. Once you die, I will. This one is question number fourteen, and I. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, is God against birth control? The silence is deafening. <laughs> I would say no. I would say no as well. I don't. I, I think don't birth control it. is acceptable. Certain certain right. kinds of birth control are acceptable. Yeah, because you do have some that that basically can kill are, a fetus. Are abortive. Yeah, yeah I think they, if it's preventative, you know. And again, this is horribly awkward. If it's preventative, <laughs> I see no problem with it. Why did you guys put the, that question on the list? If it's horribly Tom. awkward. Put the question on the list, and he's the only one he has an answer. We're unveiled to, to have, the secrecy but, is gone. Ouch! But I, I think if it's I'm um, comfortable under the bus, I've been there before. <laughs> you all but have no. you all have more children than I do, so no, I, I think it. But is that an right. individual soul liberty issue? Yes, because if it wasn't, where are you going to go in the Bible to tell yeah. me? Right, God says don't. Now you can show me examples of people in the Bible who had a lot of children. I don't quarrel with that. I don't quarrel with you if you want to have a lot of children. That's a soul liberty decision. But I don't think you can take me to my to my understanding or agreement to a scripture passage that tells me that birth. Right. But that is out there. And that's why this question's here. And it's charged in the sense that there are people probably listening that believe it's wrong and we're taught it's wrong. That's the Roman Catholic position. In fact, the Roman Catholic position, to be truthful, is really physical sexual intimacy as a married couple is a sin unless you're trying to have children. Yeah, well, there's so much wrong about Roman Catholic theology. I mean, right. where, where would we start and end? I sure. think what what is wrong is the the abortive form. Absolutely. And, exactly. and oh, that's absolutely. not that's yeah. not birth control. That is yeah. murder. That's abortive. That's, murder. that's abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a there is an illustration in the Bible. And again, I won't go into detail because you know it's it's just not for this podcast. But I don't think that was about birth control. That was about disobedience to yes. raise up the family line. Exactly. And I think that's a good point because yeah. it is brought up as from that. And from I will that point. say right. somebody, you know, sent me that in a message because they were too cowardly to raise it themselves. <laughs> I couldn't say it as well as you Time's did. Brother. Okay. <laughs> Quickly move on. <laughs> Whose idea was that last one? Oh, Tom okay. gets to make no more suggestions. Question number 15. <laughs> Question number 15. And this is a good one to end with. And um, 
Yeah, I'll just ask over already. Yes. Wow, that went fast. Should a pastor always be on call? Should a pastor always be on call? No. Yes. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> I did I not expect to, that. We get to take this one off, don't we? It defines how you, how, what call means. In other words, I think as a pastor, the folks I pastor should be able to call me anytime. That doesn't mean I'm at their beck and call. It doesn't mean I'll even answer. I just don't, I don't want to put forth the mentality that I'm, you know, leave me alone. This is, you know, this is my family time. Then that sounds awful. And I'm, um, I'm the whole, it, it, well, but there are times that, well, here, that would happen. A, here's an interesting but, thought on that is that you, you don't ever find, you find Jesus retreating to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, come apart before you come apart is the statement that is birthed out of that, right? You don't find the apostle Paul taking a vacation. You don't find that. However. That's an argument from silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. it is. And and so that's a good point. But I do think that, I think your family needs to know that, that there are times you're willing to shut things down. And yeah, put them, they make are them our not first only, ministry. Not only priority, but make them everything for a minute. Th- yeah. this I, think been... to say, I think to say that family is your first ministry, but then say there's never a time when it's only family and you you can't be, and you can still be reached by someone else. I, I think that's... Okay, I go, I go on a prayer retreat every year mm-hmm. and uh, I purposely go somewhere I cannot be contacted except by my wife. She has the emergency number. My phone doesn't work there. So she has the emergency number that accesses the, mm. and so she can get, but that's all. But yeah. and, and if someone died, if, if someone, you know, in your church had a massive tragedy occurred, you would want to know. Uh, <laughs> y- yes, but that doesn't mean I See, should, I think, I feel I like think, Jesus, I think when on. Jesus stepped aside, I think he said, and we're living in a multimedia to, to era where we're always on call, and that's unhealthy. To me, it's impo- it's Time's not up. a sin Time's to be up. unreachable. Okay. Th- this one we should bleed over a little bit. Th- well, this, this should be this maybe we, a whole. I think no. The, the, rules, the rules have been set. The you rule. agreed to them at the beginning. The hey, rule is that if we want to expound, we make them. You need into to read Romans seven. Rules were made to be broken. Uh, okay, Joseph. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the commandments that holy, just, and good. That, this is but the question. I had not known sin, but by the law. So yeah. Oh, okay. Rules well, were made to be. I broken. hope everybody enjoyed our lightning round <laughs> today, and uh, these are um, some interesting questions, and I'm sure that they will probably birth other podcasts as well. Thanks for listening to Dear Church. Mm-hmm.